You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to Yoga Magic. If you are new here, I'm so glad you're tuning in. My name is Ashley. I'm the host. And on this show, we chat all things self-care and self-discovery. Hopefully, there are some new practices, new ideas, new strategies that you can use to prioritize your own well-being on this show. And please remember that there is no shoulding with self-care. you got to do what's best for you. Today is a really fun episode. I'm sitting down with Allie French and Erica Stein, the very fun hosts of the podcast Courageous Wellness. It's a show that I personally enjoy because they speak to wellness in just a down-to-earth, navigable way, yet super impactful. Both Allie and Erica are certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and they both have overcome pretty big challenges in their own health journeys. Allie has overcome a cancer diagnosis and Erica a self-love journey that led to a sustained 50 pounds of weight loss. Today they're just they're sharing again accessible wellness with their podcast through individual journeys from their guests and community initiatives as well and I really learn a lot from them so I'm excited to share them with you today. In this episode we talk through their personal wellness journeys, how they've been closely tied to their spirituality practices. They're both practicing Buddhists. We speak to trends that we're seeing in the wellness space, their go-to practices for stress reduction and just everyday well-being and we also talk through the shift in the weight loss conversation and how we can navigate optimal health without that toxic diet culture. It's an awesome conversation. Be sure to check out their show, Courageous Wellness. And if you'd like to work with Allie or Erica, they mention a discount of 15% off of their services in the episode. So make sure to listen all the way through to get that. A huge thank you to our show sponsor, Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center. They have helped me personally and they really, they make this show possible each week by partnering together. So I'm so grateful for them. Thanks to you for tuning in, everyone. I talk about this so frequently, but when you share these episodes with people that you think can benefit from some of this self-care insight, it goes such a long way. You know, texting a friend or just putting it up on your Instagram story is like worth a million dollars for me. So thank you for doing that. And finally, make sure you're following along on Instagram at ashley.sondergaard or at yoga magic podcast. All right, let's get to our conversation with Allie and Erica of Courageous Wellness. Welcome, Allie and Erica. I'm so excited to have you guys on the Yoga Magic Podcast. I were just chatting before we started recording, but I really love wellness podcasts and I feel like I could listen to a lot of them, but I get very overwhelmed. So I only listen to like two and your guys' is one of them because it's just so fun and conversational and I love that you bring spirituality. So I'm glad to have you on Yoga Magic. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We are also equally as excited uh, to talk with you today. 
So can you guys just start um, just with each of you kind of sharing your wellness path? And I know you've both had some really life-changing events that have brought you to thinking about this as, as your job, as your passions. And if there were any like spiritual shifts that were accompanying that, that wellness journey as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I can go first. I'm Erica. Um, this is my voice. I know with two people, it can always be like, which one is which, but yeah, you know, I know we were just talking off recording about like how grateful I am for courageous wellness and the podcast and the community and my partnership with Ali. Um, it's like my joy and my dream to get to do this. And I think the journey that led me here, I have, you know, a wellness journey that, you know, of course I can get into. And the spark notes version of that is, you know, I guess like, gosh, seven or eight years ago. Now I lost about 50 pounds and that wasn't as much of a weight loss journey as it was a self-love journey for me, really learning how to like love myself because, um, I didn't, (laughs) or I did on the surface, but there was a lot I needed to unpack underneath. But before that, you know, I, I went through that before I even met Allie, right? Like that's my wellness journey. That's what got me interested in this world of health, wellness, and nutrition. But it was really actually during, since we're going to talk like spirituality and and stuff like that, it was actually during my Saturn return that, um, and I don't know if everyone's familiar with that, but in astrology, you go through like a transformative period between the ages of, I think it's like 27 and 30. Um, Mm -hmm. but mine hit me like right when I turned 28 and when I was 29, Allie and I started courageous wellness. And so as far as like transformation goes, like there is the wellness journey that I experienced that got me interested in health, wellness, and nutrition and a childhood that got me interested in like food insecurity and food accessibility and things that I'm really passionate about. But it was actually during this time of like that, I guess that like age, right. Between 28 and 30, when I was going through a lot of, um, almost like spiritual rebirth of like, who am I, what do I want? What am I interested in? Um, I was also, I'm a recovered people pleaser. So I was like a very big people pleaser. And so it was the first time I was like, what do I want? Um, in my life. And I actually went back to a journal that I wrote in January of 2018. And I wrote that I wanted to like get into like wellness and nutrition. I couldn't believe I wrote that down because I wasn't actually conscious of it. Um, even though I knew I was interested in it. And to make a long story short, during this process, Ali and I had been friends since 2014. We had met through Buddhism and our spiritual community. And um, I slid into her DMs in January of 2018. (laughs) She's a performing artist. She was actually living in Japan at the time. And I noticed we were reading the same book on blood sugar and nutrition. And I sent her a DM about it because none of my other friends were really into this world. And when she came back from Japan, we started hanging out a lot and her friendship has brought so much into my life. And I I should turn it over to Allie and, um, she can continue explaining, but I think we were both in this kind of transitional time in our life and it led us to each other. It led us to sharing, I think more vulnerably, because I think vulnerability is so important kind of our experiences. Um, like I mentioned, Ali 
didn't know that I had this weight loss journey. She didn't know about the intricacies of my childhood. I knew Allie had cancer. I didn't know the intricacies about that. And, um, yeah, we realized we have these stories. Other people might have these stories and we realized the power in sharing wellness stories. So Ali, you can kind of take it from there, but since you asked about like transformation and spirituality, I think for me, something I, I don't often talk about, but it was during my Saturn return and I was in a, a pretty transformational period of, of my life at 29. Yeah. Powerful time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Erica kind of shared the origin story as far as how we came together, but as far as my personal, um, wellness journey, I think, you know, it's interesting. I've always been interested in food. I've always been a fan of food. (laughs) Um, and as a, you know, as a professional performing artist, mostly in the musical theater world that required me to travel and, uh, kind of make physical demands of my body for many years, I was always interested in learning how to fuel myself better. And I would sort of experiment with my own, um, nutrition, uh, and, you know, even really long experiments where I would do things for four years at a time. I went, um, I was a vegetarian for four years and, um, I've had, health issues, like physical health issues manifest in my twenties. Um, like I had terrible cystic acne that developed and I, I wound up doing dietary shifts along the way to, um, to actually like help with them. Mm-hmm. I had, I ga- I found out I had a dairy allergy and I gave it up and my skin cleared up. So I was kind of like sparked by these things, these little things in my life that, um, were intricately linked to how I, fueled myself. Um, but it wasn't really until I got my cancer diagnosis, which was also at 29. Wow. This is a little further back for me than it was for Erica. Cause I'm 35 now. So this is six years ago. Um, and I was like a healthy person and I thought, you know, I thought I had a bruise on my back from a show I was doing, but it never went away. And so eventually I got it checked out and, dealt with a doctor telling me to ignore it, all this interesting like stuff and this process in the medical world. And eventually I was diagnosed with a rare tumor. And fortunately I, it was treatable and I wound up having three surgeries, um, and, and then was cancer-free after that. But when I was healing and Erica mentioned the emotional part, there was absolutely emotional sort of like spiritual components to this journey, but I'm just sort of talking about like the physiological stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I started craving certain foods, one being meat, but I hadn't eaten meat in four years. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it was screaming to, for me to go, like my body was screaming at me to go get a piece of steak. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that. And I did. And I actually felt amazing. And I didn't become a carnivore after, but I did start to incorporate things. I started to like the process of having healing physically from those surgeries taught me to listen to my body in a way that I never had before, rather than constantly taking information from like, what's the newest science and research and all that stuff on, on nutrition and which was interesting to me. And it is still interesting to me, but I also had to like learn to incorporate the intelligence of my 
my own body speaking Mm -hmm. to me and that we have different needs at different times too. And in this healing process, at the moment, what I needed was a piece of steak. (laughs) Um, And so it was really, uh, it was really fascinating because I think that was the spark for me to really um, just understand the innate intelligence and understand sort of like the voice within us sometimes that we ignore. And that I think can be applied not just to the physical stuff, but also to intuition and to our own gut feeling, to trusting ourselves. And at that time in my life too, when I met, not when I met Erica, but when I reconnected with Erica and I was back from this contract, I was also going through an incredibly transitional time um, with my home, with relationship ending, all, all different things and jobs ending, everything sort of culminating at this time in my life. And, um, so meeting her and also having gone through this process, the previous few years of really learning to start to trust my life, trust myself, trust my feelings about things, which I don't think I did before that. I think I could talk myself in or out of anything really. And, um, that was ma- that was the biggest sort of spiritual shift. And it was definitely because Erica mentioned our Buddhist practice. It was definitely a part of my Buddhist practice that my daily spiritual practice that I have, but that's what was really transformative. And it was sort of like no surprise that courageous wellness was birthed of both of these transitional periods for us. So that's a little bit about my background. Mm. I didn't know you were musical theater. That was yeah. the performance space. Oh, yep. so cool. Were you on yeah. any, like, were you on tour and stuff and Broadway? In and Japan, I was doing um, actually contracts for Disney. Oh my gosh, cool. So I was singing so cool. and there is a couple of musical shows there that yeah. I was doing. I did about a year and a half um, for Tokyo Disney. Yeah. And yes, I've done tours and um, a lot of stuff in LA too. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then Erica, I'm so I can't, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. Like for you shifting and, and having that weight loss experience and also being really connected to your sudden return and just sort of that rebirth. I think that's true for a lot of people, right? That like physical journeys can be really connected. And yet it seems like in the last few years, the even like bringing up weight loss is something that has become a little vilified in a way. Like I really deliberately don't talk about weight loss on the show because it's not my journey, but I think it's like, it's a, it's a real journey and I, and it's potentially doing us harm if we don't ever discuss it. Do you have any thoughts on that or like what you've seen in the last few years? Yeah. Allie and I talk about this, um, too, because it is part of my story, you know, and again, I didn't, you know, another spark notes version of the weight loss is, um, you know, it didn't come. And, and this is also, I think hard sometimes it, everything around weight loss is hard to talk about because it's It's so triggering triggering Mm -hmm. because even when I say, which is my truth, which is I wasn't trying to lose weight and Mm -hmm. I lost 50 pounds Mm -hmm. that can be hard as well for some people, um, to hear, Um, but that's just my truth. You know, I, I had gone on a series of bad dates. I wasn't where I wanted to be in my career. I was 22 years old at this time. I'm 32 now. No, I'm 33. Sorry. With the pandemic, I keep forgetting. I how old I, am. Old I, am. Um, I, I entered the pandemic as a 31 year old. So I'm like, no, I'm 33 now. Um, <laughs> but I was 22 at this moment in my life. And, um, 
again, bad dates wasn't where I wanted to be in my career. And I just started blaming my body, right? Like I was like, if I was thinner, other things would be working out for me. And I had a really wonderful person through my Buddhist practice who I owe, I swear everything to, she had so much compassion for my life. And she basically called me out and she was like, it has nothing to do with like your physical appearance. You know, she basically told me you don't value your life. Like she straight Mm. up called me out on that. And I didn't right? like, it was all the external. It was nothing internal, which is like the opposite of Buddhism. It's the opposite of like so much, right? It's all about your inner self-worth. And I wrote, I just took a hot pink sticky note and I wrote on it. I was like, you are a treasure. You are precious. You're a gem. And like, I started chanting because in my Buddhist practice, I chant to feel that way about myself. And when I did feel that way about myself, my entire life changed. So at my largest weight, I met the man who became my husband. I, you know, was working in wardrobe on two TV shows. Everything was like happening for me. And then I found a workout that I really enjoyed. And I started doing it two or three days a week. I didn't actively change the way I ate. And I let go and released this extra weight that I had been carrying, right? Like that's my story. But then I had to deal with, which is very true and real body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people noticing and like people commenting on your Mm -hmm. body and just like all this stuff that comes with a significant weight loss experience. Um, which I've had to deal with and unpack and tons of stuff like my relationship with emotional eating and food and X, Y, and Z. But to go back to your question, it is, it's interesting because even though it wasn't my intention to lose 50 pounds, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't like actively trying to lose this weight when I did love and accept myself as I, as I was, the weight fell off. And so I guess I'm personally in the camp where I do, you know, Ali and I have since gone back to school and we are both integrative nutrition health coaches. And we do work with people who have many different goals, right? Like some people, um, just want to feel good in their bodies. Some people do want to lose excess weight. Some people, right. Like want to work on their hormones, their gut health, whatever it may be. But for the people who want to lose weight, it's such an interesting conversation because from my own experience, I believe if you're able to really heal your relationship with food and like heal your relationship Mm. with yourself, if you have excess weight to lose, it's probably going to come off. And if you don't have excess weight to lose, it won't. Right. Mm. Or if you have weight to gain, you might gain weight. Right. So I think it's, again, for me, everything goes back to just working on your relationship with yourself, because what I had to learn is healthy really does come in many different shapes and sizes. And, you know, there are people who are very, very thin and, um, very over fat. You know, I think there's a phrase called like skinny fat. So like sometimes, you know, people in very thin bodies can actually be very unhealthy, but unfortunately our society looks, doesn't, look at that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all about, they would judge someone in a bigger body and say that they're unhealthy, but that's not necessarily true either. Some people who are in larger bodies are actually very, very healthy. So I think part of this like weight loss conversation, it's not about demonizing anybody who wants to lose weight or anybody who wants to change something about their body, because that's fine. I just don't think it's going to last or make you happy or make a difference if you don't work on the internal stuff, if that makes sense, yeah, because no, it totally does. It's not about 
the weight. It's about like your brain. <laughs> it really is. And I know Ali, you work, I know Ali, we've talked about this a lot too. So I don't know if you'd like to add anything as well. Yeah. The only thing just in the context of like the culture of the wellness space, you know, it, it is true. I do think there's been a lot of wellness. It's been, I mean, a lot of diet culture that's been sort of masquerading as quote unquote wellness. Totally. And, mm-hmm. and we know that that's obvious. You see it all the time. Um, sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'm sure we all fall into that trap because we are not immune from having grown up in diet culture, um, to have, to develop awareness about that. And it's, it is interesting. It's a fine line to walk in the food space. We also don't like to promote weight loss yeah, because that's Mm -hmm. not something that seems to be like, as Erica was saying, if it's a, there's no demonizing or judgment, if that's something that you want for your life or your own body, that's your prerogative. But I'm not here to promote that because it doesn't necessarily, it, it, there needs to be a reason that someone wants to do that. And more than just trying to fit into, um, unrealistic, uh, standards that we've just been spoon fed our whole life. And, um, you know, yeah, so I, I'm not interested. I'm I'll, I'll be open to helping a client work on that. If that's something they come to me about because, um, they have the reasons for themselves that feel right for that as a part of their own personal journey, but it's not something from a business perspective that I'm necessarily here to promote or, um, yeah, or monetize on. Mm -hmm. I I want to me, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is how you feel. What matters is, are you able to, you know, make choices to, to make you, you feel your best. And can I support you in that? And if it looks a certain way, that's only like, that doesn't really matter how it looks. What matters ultimately is how it feels. And so, um, yeah, it's a fine line to walk and we've done a lot of like diving into the Hayes community. I think there's a lot of, you know, validity and like, you should be able to be happy and healthy at every size Mm -hmm. and everybody, every size can be beautiful and every size can be healthy as well. And we have to also look from a sense of like, I think, like big food is incredibly oppressive. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's talked about as, as often as it should be, because we do also have like health epidemics in this country, chronic illnesses, and they are absolutely linked to lifestyle factors, but that's not any fault of an individual. I think this idea of like really understanding the food system or like the non-food system in this country is also an important, um, component of the food conversation in general. So, mm. yeah, that's just a couple of my, my two cents. <laughs> a big question for, yeah. for you guys. And I'm glad that thank you for answering it because I think that there's, yeah, it's just, you know, watching it from many perspectives, it's interesting. Wellness is, is such an interesting word. We've seen it change and we've seen it shift. And like you said, masquerade as other things. And what I really like about how you guys relay the information is that it is really integrated, right? It's, it's the body, it's the emotional, it's the spirituality. Like there's so many pieces to it. And I'd be really curious to hear, you know, in your practice, in the things that you learn on your show, how do you see these things all coming together? Like all of those puzzle pieces. Mm. Yeah, we get to interview a lot of 
really interesting people, some who we um, really identify with and, uh, and then some who sometimes there are, you know, challenging aspects we might challenge back about. I think it's important to be able to have those kinds of dialogues in this space. Um, and it's not to, again, try to demonize anybody. It's really to go deeper into the whys behind Mm -hmm. certain things or having an awareness of where certain things come from, you know, certain beliefs, certain ideas. Um, so what do we see? Erica, is there, is there anything that comes to your mind immediately from an integrative perspective of what we see with our clients and our, um, guests? You know, well, it's interesting. I think like, um, just like, even as we've discussed, like the fact that journeys are not linear, you know, Mm -hmm. like journeys Mm -hmm. are not linear and it is a process, right? Like you talked about, it's like, what is wellness like truly? And for, for every single person, I think they have a different answer to that. But I do think, um, all of this, which is why our podcast is called courageous wellness. It takes a lot of courage because I think we put ourselves in different boxes, right? And Ali, I even love your story and your journey of you were a dairy-free vegetarian for years, but like your body was screaming at you to eat a piece of steak. And I think a lot of people might not listen to that voice because they've put themselves in there. Like, no, I am, I am a dairy-free vegetarian, right? Like I am this. And so I think once we can accept and what I've learned from all of our guests is nobody's journey has been like linear whatsoever. The, the more you can take yourself out of that, like box that you put yourself in, you, you really free yourself up to find your joy and to like live this courageous life and really, I think live your most well experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just one little thing I'll add to that too, is that, um, you know, we're here, I think as hosts, just taking like the podcast host um, cap on for a second, we're here as hosts, or at least the way I look at it is to provide information so that people can make educated decisions for themselves and for what's best for themselves. And so, and that might look different for every single person, but I think what we want to achieve is this idea that, you know, yes, green juice is fun. Or if you want to try algae and there's all these sort of like fun, oftentimes it's basically like selling things. Let's just be real within the context of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. They're commodities and you know, it's okay. You know, we sell things, we sell things that we like and use and feel good about for sure that we align with, but I don't have any problem ultimately with that. But I just want people to know that like, all these things, like you don't have to do all of these things to quote unquote, be well, what you have to do to like be well or be well today or in this next choice or in this next step is just do something that feels aligned for you. And that it doesn't require buying things. It doesn't require trends. It doesn't require any of that. Now, some of those things might assist in the journey and that's fine. But just to have perspective on that, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Yeah. And that's what I speak to a lot on the show is that the spirituality practice and in these things that we consider self-care are so simple. It's like drink water. Yeah. Go to totally. the bathroom when you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> 
like to remember how simple it is. Cause it's, we are intelligent, you know, our bodies are intelligent. Yeah. We're talking wellness. We're talking simplicity. We're talking living in a way that feels good. And I can speak from experience when I say that when I'm feeling my best, I can actually enjoy this amazing life. But the truth is sometimes it takes a little bit of work to get there. So over the last several years, I've been working with the Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center. And seriously, y'all, they have changed my life. I'd forgotten what it felt like to really feel good. Some things that have changed since I started working with them is that my skin cleared up, I was sleeping better, I have more energy, my brain fog has gone away, and most importantly, my digestion has really gotten back on track. What I love about integrative medicine is that you can actually sit down and spend significant time with your doctor to talk through their struggles, and you know they really listen. My friends and you know other listeners of the show and people that have seen Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center team from everything from hormonal imbalances to acne, anxiety, adrenal fatigue, and even stress and burnout are really noticing a difference. This team can help, and here's the best part: you can work with them virtually. If you have a really busy schedule or you simply are not anywhere near the Twin Cities, they've got you covered. Having personally worked with Dr. Cassie and Dr. Danielle and their whole team, I just cannot recommend Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center enough. So listen up, Yoga Magic listeners. You will receive $50 off their new patient appointment with the code YOGAMAGIC through June 30th, 2022. To schedule an appointment, check out the link in the show notes and make sure to enter Yoga Magic into the referral code section to get $50 off your new patient appointment. And this is an amazing deal, a great way to start 2022. One more time, use the referral code Yoga Magic when you book a new patient appointment with Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center. We've talked some of the shadow of the wellness space. What are you guys <laughs> excited about? Like what you see things probably coming a little bit quicker than some of us, like, what are you excited about in the space of well-being? Mm. I'm really excited about gut health always. <laughs> so I could nerd out about gut health forever, but I just think the conversation on like our gut microbiome really fascinates me because it's where for people who don't know or haven't nerded out, like I have about the gut, um, our serotonin is created in our gut. So our happy hormone, I think, is it like 90% Allie? I'm like so bad with numbers. I think think it's like almost 95% of our serotonin is um, created in our gut. Um, 70% of our immune system is created um, in our gut. Um, Our gut and brain are so unbelievably connected. So a lot of um, issues that we have, be it, you know, the mental health crisis in this country and um, even right, like uh, just stress and anxiety and depression. And then also just like, right, like not feeling good after we eat, like everything goes to our gut. So I get really excited about gut health and learning how to really heal and take care of our gut. And I think that really healed my own relationship with food years later when I discovered gut health, but it's just so incredible what our body does to keep us alive every day. And so even if you have a bad day or you don't feel good, it's like you have a whole system inside your body that's just working for you. And I think that's pretty cool. So I could nerd out about gut health, but um, it's, it's really being studied for the first time like no other just in the last few years. And so I'm really excited to see 
things that come out of that. And I could get kind of gross. So I'm not going to like, but like, there's we even love like, gross. okay. Cause I was like, even like they're, they're doing like fecal transplants yeah. and that it's yeah. actually right. Like these, so the gut wild. microbiome really determines our cravings and, you know, different things like that. So I'm really excited and fascinated about the world of the gut. So yeah. What if someone was just starting off in their gut journey? I I had been with you. I had a solid candida issue and like mm-hmm. acne, all the things and worked with the integrative medicine doctor and we cleared it up and it was amazing. But I'm like, what if you don't know if your gut is healthy? Like, is there a place to start that you would recommend for listeners? Yeah. I would ask yourself, you know, I have, I have a someone in my life, um, who they, uh, they actually, they can eat what they, they quote can eat whatever they want. They never feel sick X, Y, and Z. Um, but they never go to the bathroom. Right. So actually I just, oh, interesting. No. Okay. sorry. Right. But they actually, they don't ever feel sick. Right. Like sometimes they'll feel constipated, but they didn't even realize that was an issue because actually a lot of people don't go to the bathroom every day. So everyone listening, you really should be going to the bathroom every single day. So I think a place to start, even though again, not to be gross, but we, I love gross. I don't think it's gross. It's our bodies. It's all beautiful. Um, really check on how often you're going to the bathroom, what the quality of going to the bathroom is like for you. And that might be, to be honest, a good place to start and, and asking yourself how you're feeling. Cause again, like my, um, this person in my life, my friend, I'm like, if she listens to this, um, I don't know if anyone would know it was her, but I, I just imagine <laughs> her listening to this and being like, why are you talking about me? Um, but, um, but you know, my friend who has like no food ailments, no, or, you know, she's, she always feels fine. Just she's occasionally constipated. Um, that was a really big place for us to start. And I've since like worked with her and helped her and she now goes to the bathroom every day. So that's been really exciting. But, um, I would start with, cause it's the easiest thing we all do it. But, um, if you're not going to the bathroom, there's probably something going on with your gut. And then from there, um, we can talk. There's lots of simple things lots like making sure you're hydrating, getting enough fiber. But I would even just start with making sure you're drinking enough water. A lot of people aren't drinking enough water. Totally. And, um, even if you're eating all the right things, water helps it all go through you. So, um, yeah, check out how often or how infrequently you go to the bathroom and then we can talk, slide into my DMS, <laughs> slide into my DMS with your, with your, poop with your poops. <laughs> yeah. What about you, yeah. Allie? What am I kind of excited, excited for? Okay. Actually, I see more and more, um, people going into the space of nervous system regulation Mm -hmm. and in the context of dealing with both with like trauma, past trauma, but, um, it's so integrated into our physical health too, but deeply, deeply effective for emotional health and mental health. And I see more and more practitioners that we know, um, really becoming, becoming either licensed and trained in that space too, for somatic work, which is like emotions in the body, the connection between that, um, but a lot of it has to do with our nervous systems. And I talk about that often in the context of digestion, but I think it's incredibly powerful for um, like anxiety and mental mm-hmm. health as well. And I think more than ever, we, we need that, but I don't know that it's commonly known. Like, I don't know that people understand what's happening 
physiologically with their nervous system when they're having, you know, triggers or anxiety or even depression and emotional responses to things. Um, so I think the more people can truly understand their own nervous system, how it works, um, and tools, build tools on how to self-regulate, I think it's going to have enormous impact on our physical health too, and mental health over time, but, but both. So that I'm excited about. And we've had a couple people on the podcast. We've had a couple people on the podcast who um, work in this space. And uh, it's also helps with like behavioral patterns and, and things like that. And so I, I just think that's really kind of one of the things I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are so connected, right? Like they could help the nervous system. What yeah. are some tools that you have used for, for self-regulation, anything you enjoy? Yes. So the, like the most simple, as you were saying, like the simple things to remember to do the the most simple thing we can do to get into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest function, which we want to be in most of the time, most of the time, most of the time that should be like our go-to state is deep breathing. And there Mm -hmm. are some great, like simple, deep breathing exercises in through the nose, out through the mouth. Um, you can look up Dr. Andrew Wiles, four, seven, eight breath, um, super simple stuff. But even if you just take a couple stop, take a couple of deep inhales through your nose and slow exhales through your mouth, it will, it will change your body's response to what might be happening emotionally in that moment or what you might perceive to be happening emotionally in that moment. Um, that's my number one thing is breath. So anything that can access your breath also, and as like, as a singer, I, I find this part fun. Um, the vagus nerve and understanding, learning about your vagus nerve, which is in your throat region, activating it. So singing, humming, chanting, we chant as a part of our practice, spiritual practice. And that's like, it's not by mistake that many, many spiritual practices have that or have singing as a part of it because it actually does help, um, get you into your parasympathetic nervous system. It actually has an effect on the body. So, um, I love integrative stuff like that, you know, things that we can do that, um, might help us emotionally, mentally, and physically all at the same time. You know, they're very, um, it's all linked and there's a reason for all of that. So yeah, that, those are two things that I would say. Breath that sounds and- great. Can I ask you guys a, like a person, or I guess like a selfish question yeah. that connects these things? Yeah, of okay. course. So I'm pregnant and I, I've noticed these are the areas that you're speaking to right now that have really suffered, right? I have one of those aura rings and I can see that my heart rate variability and all of these, you know, these markers of being able to recover from stress, getting out of the sympathetic nervous system, digestion, slowing down, all of this is like kind of out, not kind of very much out of my control struggling because it has to, right. The body is just working really hard. So when you work, or if you work with pregnant mamas, like, what do you provide? What markers, what things can we do that we can control (laughs) to kind of keep some of this other stuff, um, as, as, you know, healthy as possible. I can go first. I'm sure Ali has one. I know we just talked about breath, but I think like breathing as much mm-hmm. as possible. Cause that's something, especially as a mom and a pregnant mom, 
you can do it, right? Like if you have to just like remove yourself and I don't know if you can with like little kids, but as much as you can to like, just take 30 seconds to breathe and it can actually do incredible things for, um, your nervous system, like Andrew Wiles, four, seven, eight breath. Um, if it's safe for pregnancy, um, you just do it four times. Right. And it can completely help reset your nervous system. Um, beyond that, I would really recommend to, which I know can be challenging, especially because like, we just have to eat. That's the thing, right? Like we need nutrients wherever we can get them. And I know whether you're pregnant or just really busy or going through a stressful time, it can be really hard to, um, eat food, right. Or eat nourishing (laughs) food. Um, so I think, you know, find something that can work for you. Is it like a big smoothie? Cause that's just an easy, right? Like you can sip a smoothie. Smoothies are one of our favorite things because, um, you can sip it, right. You hold it in your hand and you can sip it and you can move. And yes, that's not optimal, right? Like we want to be able to sit down and enjoy a meal and chew and nourish ourselves. But I think however you can focus on getting nourishment in your meals, be it a smoothie, be it meal delivery, meal prep, whatever it it can be for you is, um, the more nourishing your meals are, the more your body's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it's what you do most of the time. So we never want to make people feel bad. And again, like I was raised by, you know, my mom was single at some point working two jobs and she just had to get us fed and food on the table. So I also understand that, but if you can, a smoothie takes like, right, no time. And you can actually prep smoothies. They can last like, I think two or three days in the fridge. And it's a really good way to get lots of nourishment and greens and healthy fats pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, finding the best way for you to get nourishment, I would say um, through your food. Yeah. Smoothie vibes. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, you probably have your hands full because you have two little ones and you're also pregnant. So power to you, mama. (laughs) Um, I know this is probably (laughs) the hardest thing of all trying to get your sleep. If you can, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just because, uh, you know, everything comes back to that. And I know that's the one thing that suffers the most as a new mom too, when you, when you're postpartum, but if you have the support to, um, get a little extra sleep, especially if you're feeling fatigued, uh, that will help so much. And, um, I, I would say the breath too. I mean, especially like even think about in delivery, how incredibly powerful the breath can be. It's like, if, especially if you're feeling, I know it's, it's common to have constipation and things like that when you're pregnant. Um, I think especially though, if you're feeling the effects on your digestion, mm-hmm. if you could find five minutes for a seated, quiet meditation, like breath-based meditation, and you're a yogi, you know, you know, I know that's probably hard to like show yourself in the closet, but again, as we were talking about the nervous system, I think, um, the second you saw you, you feel your heart rate start to spike. Mm-hmm just like if you can breathe in through that nose and take a few, just like immediately, immediately go to the breath. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fastest way for anybody to regulate. But if you feel that, like that spike for yourself, um, I was on an airplane the other day, not with a pregnant person, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm going to like out my partner a little bit, but it was really bad turbulence, like really bad. And we have our Apple watches on and 
his heart rate went through the roof and I thought he was working out or something like, yeah. Like, are oh, you yeah, working yeah, yeah. out right now? Yeah. Oh, totally. Like oh, full yeah. blown. And then we, we did like, we tested both of ours and mine had maintained the same and it was bad oh, turbulence. Scary. And I was like, oh, this is because I do this all the time. Yep. It just has become habit. And I was like, okay. But he was like at 150 and I was at like 74 <laughs> in the same moment. And so, but that, that was fine. He was able to bring it back down quite immediately, but just had to start like really deep breathing. So, um, if you find your stress levels, you know, I don't know how little your kiddo kiddos are, but like, you know, it's chaos sometimes. And if you can try to implement that fast in the moment, it will help the length of the sort of physiological ripple effects of having that sort of elevated stress level, the the length, you might still have it, but the length of it, um, and the longer sort of fatigue or crash afterwards will start to minimize. Mm -hmm. That's such, that's such helpful information. I think for anybody, right. Is like, you all of a sudden, you know, you're doom spiraling or you're watching the news and your heart rate's going up and you're like, what? So getting out, recognizing that, and then doing some of that breath work. What are just last question? What are your guys' self-care go-tos? I'm guessing breath is in there and pooping, but no, I'm just kidding. What else do we need to do? What are your guys' favorites? I, so we both chant. That's sort of one of our oh, non-negotiables. We both chant, um, in the morning and in the evening and, um, yeah, it can be for anywhere from five minutes to an hour. So it just depends on the day and the, and the, uh, the schedule. Um, I like, I have a morning ritual. I love getting my coffee in the morning. I have been trying to get better of hydrating. Thank you to Erica. I'm like one of those people that could like run on coffee and it's terrible for your hormones. And I would t- tell everybody else not to do that, but I struggle with it myself, but drinking a glass of water when I get up and then having my coffee, uh, which I love. And oftentimes I'll put a bunch of fun, you know, adaptogens and fun things in that. Um, and I need movement. I need to move. So it doesn't mean big exercise all the time, but for go for a walk or yoga or, um, yeah, just, just trying to get outside, get some fresh air is helpful and I'm not super rigid in it. And then I just have to eat well. And Erica and I are always like preaching protein, fat, and fiber to build our meals because they are, it's a perfect combination for like blood, blood sugar, uh, satiety and keeping you full and keeping you fueled. So I try to eat three solid meals. And sometimes that meal is a smoothie, but it will have protein, fat, and fiber in it. And when I don't like doing that is self-care to me because it really helps my personality too. Like I don't get <laughs> hangry yeah. and, um, yeah. And it's a way I support my body, but it's a way I support my mood. It's a way I can show up in the world. Um, if I feed myself that way. So those are some basic ones that I have. It was pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to Ali, I chant twice a day, morning and evening. It's the most consistent thing that I do. And it makes the biggest difference when I'm not, I always do it, but when I'm doing it with intention versus just, you know, 
running through it because it's part of my daily practice, um, I notice a big difference. So intentional chanting, um, I, I struggle with anxiety. So I kind of have like my toolkit of things that work for me. And those include journaling. I journal a lot. I have to move my body and get sunlight. Um, so we're lucky we're in Southern California, so I can get outside and get sunlight. But even if you live in cold weather climates, like, and I know it's freezing, if you can open your window, if you can just get sunlight, it's so important for your body. Um, even if you don't see the sun there, there is light. It's even there. If it's I dark. Did it yeah. today and it was like negative two and I put on my snow pants, but you're so right. It makes such a difference. Yeah. It makes such a difference. So sunlight movement, journaling, I love a bubble bath or a hot shower if you don't have one. And recently, um, legs up the wall has been making a really big difference um, because I walk a lot and I I've been moving my body. Um, I just try to like lay with legs up the wall for 15 minutes a day. And I'm noticing a really big difference. And I know you're, you're the yogi, but there's like so many health benefits, um, to it. And I love it. So that's something I recently added, but, um, yeah. And just being kind to myself is part of my self-care. I'm really hard on myself. So, um, reading is big for me and I've been rereading, um, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. And it's a, it's like a, it's an intense read. So like be ready for it. Um, but I think the real premise of it, which is basically the premise of our Buddhist practice is like, you know, you are wonderful and perfect as you are, and you just have to believe it to, you know, have the best life you can. And since rereading that book, I think part of my self-care is when I'm hard on myself or when I do none of those things. And I like, I'm in bed all day, which is very rare, but it happens. Um, just to be nice to myself Mm -hmm. is something I'm really trying to do. Ashley, I just wanted to say one of our, cause we talked about guests before. One of my favorite conversations that we had was with, um, Melissa Bernstein from Melissa and Doug, the toy company. Oh my gosh. I did see that you guys interviewed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or her. She, yeah. And it was about a book that she wrote completely like not related to toys. It has to do with existential depression. The episode. So, oh, and, and, um, but she was awesome. And her book is awesome. And it has all this like incredible poetry. She's one of the most creative people I feel like we've ever spoken with. But one thing she said to me that I think you'll appreciate in the cold climate, she said, my belief as far as walking goes, cause she walks every day for her mm-hmm. mental health. It's like one of her non-negotiables. She's like, there are, there is no bad weather. There are only bad outfits. <laughs> That is, oh my gosh, she's so right. Right. So it's like, if I know you guys, it takes a lot more in your climate. Um, I grew up in the Northeast too, though. So, and you know, but it's true. It's like, if you bundle up that cold air can be really, really therapeutic too. Yeah. Throw on those snow pants. It's not a good look, yeah. but you know, no. whatever it works. I'm, yeah. <laughs> my gosh, you guys, this was just like the perfect end to my day. I'm like, I feel so rejuvenated. And, and I, I think we really see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff that it's simple and, but it can really change how you feel and, you know, how you think about things. And I hope that people check out courageous wellness. Um, can you each just share where to find you the podcast and then maybe like an episode referral that you'd want them to check out? So we are Courageous Wellness on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Uh, You can go to CourageousWellness.net to find our website and contact us through that. Um, 
an episode. So I referred the Melissa Bernstein episode. I love that one. Um, I'll throw another one in. Um, gosh, we've had so many good ones. I, I really liked the one with Eleanor Cleghorn. She's a PhD, uh, from England and she's wrote a book called unwell women. And it has to do with, um, the history of women and health healthcare or, mm. uh, it's, it's called, I think it's mythology and myth and myth in a man-made world. Really interesting. Cool. Okay, yeah. That's a good one. Yes. Thank you. And if you want to listen to the podcast, we do release every Wednesday as well. And we're available on all everywhere you listen to podcasts. So courageous wellness all podcast platforms on Wednesdays. And yeah, for me, I think, um, recent episodes, um, that have come out, I don't know when this is coming out, but I feel like we've had such great episodes to kick off January already recently and really diverse, which kind of shows like the diversity of our topics. You know, we had, um, uh, Aaliyah lovely, um, hosted the I spiritual shit podcast. Yeah. Most of it. She's great. Right. She's amazing. So she, and it's all about like, all the woo woo, right? Like spirituality Mm -hmm. and, um, her incredible journey. Then we had Megan McFerrin who talked about city sweat and the celebration of movement. And we just released last week an episode, um, on human design. But I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had so many incredible conversations too. And depending on what you're dealing with, I mean, there's something for everyone, but like for anyone who deals with like codependency, Victoria Albina did an incredible episode on, you know, really breaking codependency and working through that. Um, trap yoga Bay was like an incredible conversation. Um, (laughs) Brittany Floyd Mayo, um, is her, her name, but she, she goes by trap yoga Bay. I feel like everyone talks about people by their Instagram handles. When we, when we meet people, it's like, Oh, hi, courageous wellness. Um, (laughs) so she's trap yoga Bay. Um, but her personal journey to what she's been able to create is one of like the most incredible personal journeys I feel like we've heard. And then last, sorry, this is my last one, but it's kind of interesting. And it's really stayed with me is, um, he's now the mayor of New York city. Uh, Eric Adams was on our podcast actually in 2020 when he was the Brooklyn borough president and his episode isn't like, it's not political at all. He wrote a plant-based cookbook and he came on to promote that, which is kind of crazy. But he said something in his episode that has really stayed with me, which is we can't meet people where we're at. We have to meet people where they're at. And I think in this wellness world, um, it's just, it was a really interesting conversation and a lot of what he said stayed with me. And, um, yeah, so those are some episodes I would listen to, but you could just listen to our recent month of January and we actually have a great February coming out. So you can start now. You don't even have to go back that far. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your show and both of you and just thanks for your time being here on the show. And I'm excited to chat on your show as well. It's, I feel like, again, we have some intersectionality here. This will be yes. fun. We can't yes, wait we, to have you. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really fun for our part two. So well, thank you. Thank you again for having us. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to Allie and Erica for sharing their insight. Check out Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to you, friends, for tuning in every week. We'll see you next week.